What's up, everybody? Welcome to the Book Talk Lounge, the place where you come to nurture your life and spirit through conversations about books and the experience of reading. Brought to you by the Reader Lounge. I'm your host, Emiliano, and this is episode number three of this new show, which I'm excited to share with you. Today's episode brings to you a valuable conversation I had with Brand Manswar, an American entrepreneur, speaker and writer, author of the life-changing book, Black Sheep, Unleash the Extraordinary, How Inspiring, Undiscovered You. My conversation with Brand was recorded back in October of 2020, and it was originally done for a podcast that I created back then, the Reader Lounge podcast, which then turned into my current personal show, The Transformation Journey. Despite this, the concepts and ideas I talk about with Brent in today's episode are very valuable in the present as well. And that's why you're now finding this fantastic conversation on the Book Talk Lounge. So now it's time for you to make sure that you get ready to listen and enjoy this valuable, mind-blowing and memorable conversation with my friend and mentor, Brent Menswar. Hello, everybody, and hey, Brent, thanks for accepting my invitation to be on my podcast. And, well, I would like you to, pres to first present yourself to my audience and talk a little bit about what the Black Sheep is. Sure. So my name is Brant Menzoir. I am a speaker and author and former rock star, 20 years in the music business, uh, two different bands toured the world, and... Uh, shifted from one stage to another. And now I make my living uh, giving keynote speeches at conferences. And I just wrote a book that came out September 29th called Black Sheep Unleash the Extraordinary Awe-Inspiring Undiscovered You. Awesome, man. Oh, well, you want to please. About? I yeah, I, I would like to know more about how was this process of, um, well, coming up with the concept of the black sheep. Yeah. So I was 47 years old, Emiliano, before uh, somebody explained to me why black sheep are not valued the same as the rest of the flock by farmers. And when I found out the truth, it really sort of rattled my cage a little bit. The truth is that the reason that farmers don't value the black sheep the same is because a black sheep's wool cannot be dyed. So it can't be turned into something else that it wasn't meant to be. Every black sheep is 100% authentically original. When I heard that, I'm like, that is literally the goal of my life is just to be that 100% authentic, original creation I was made to be. And so, you know, I started to dig a little bit deeper into what is it that makes us those authentic originals. And I believe we possess a flock of five is what I call it, a flock of five black sheep values. And these are values that no matter how much someone wants to change them into something else, they simply won't be moved like a black sheep's wool. And so that's the concept of the book. Can you find your flock and can you use them to start making better decisions and living your life on purpose? And well, how did you um, come up with the concept with the actual concept of the black sheep values. I know you had a difficult experience and well, I would like you to talk a little bit about that and how was the process of, well, yeah, coming up with the, with the concept of the black sheep values and the flock of five after that difficult experience. 
I had the sort of this idea was born out of a really pretty horrible experience in 2012. My oldest son uh, was 14, just a little bit younger than you at the time, and was diagnosed with cancer and needed a bone marrow transplant to survive. And uh, I found myself during that time making a bunch of really bad decisions that were led by my emotions, right? And allowing that emotional tornado that swirls around us when we get sucked into things that are out of our control. And, uh, you know, I, I ended up having to say my goodbyes to him uh, according to what the doctors told me that I needed to do. But after a, a couple of crazy um, miracles is the only thing I could describe it as. Uh, my brother happened to make a video. We literally said our goodbyes one night. We didn't think he was going to make it through the night. And um, my brother is distraught, of course, if you can imagine. He's 1,500 miles away. He can't get here in time. But he, he films this video and he uploads it to YouTube, basically trying to just hail Mary last attempt to try to figure this out um, before my son dies and, and um, he uploads it to YouTube and overnight it has 500,000 views and we get calls from doctors from all over the world who found a solution. And so within 24 hours, they saved his life. And even though that was this fairy tale ending, I spent years afterwards trying to basically beat myself up over the fact that I let myself say goodbye. And I should have never done that. If I would have known what my black sheep values were at that time, which I did not, um, that conversation would have never been goodbye. It would have been filled with these things that are my non-negotiables, right? The creativity, hope, impact, empathy, family, authenticity, all of those things would have manifested itself during that conversation, but uh, it didn't. And so I beat myself up for a long time. Um, and, and this book is designed to help people define those things so they don't spend five years regretting their decisions. Awesome. Well, I mean, it's awesome that you then find out something that helps you and that can help others, right? And well, you also mentioned um, making good decisions and I would like to talk a little bit more about that um, because that's something I have heard much about in the personal development industry, about um, making good decisions from what you can control. And well, what you propose in your book is that making good decisions is, um, well, making them from your non-negotiable values, right? And so well, I'll, I would just like you to explain us a little bit more about that concept. Most people, Emiliano, they, they judge whether a decision was good or bad based on an outcome. But that's, uh, that's wrong. Uh, that's something called outcome bias and, and science doesn't support that. You can't take an after the fact result and um, decide whether or not the decision was good or bad. The only way that you can decide whether a decision was good or bad is by the deliberate intention that went into making the decision. It has nothing to do with an outcome. We don't control outcomes. And that is one of the most difficult things for people to, to wrap their heads around, right? You can influence an outcome by making the best decision possible, but you cannot control what actually happens. And so the idea is a good decision is one that is born from our black sheep values that considers all of the facts, not just the facts in the room that you are in, 
and it honors what you're feeling in the moment, right? And the idea is to keep a healthy tension between the things that matter most to us and how we are feeling in the moment. And if we can keep a healthy tension, then the chance of us being able to stay in the present to make a decision is really good. But if we let our feelings pull us too far, they will pull us to the future where uncertainty is, where we don't know what's going to happen. And, and that fills us with anxiety um, or we beat ourselves up over decisions that we made in the past. And so we uh, get depressed over things that we can't change. And so our values sort of serve as an anchor to keep us in the present. And so it starts with those black sheep values. You got to expand your idea of, of what the truth actually is, because in my son's case, right, the truth was that um, the truth in the room was they didn't have an answer, right? They, they gave up, but that wasn't the absolute truth. It was just the truth in the room that I was in. And so we have to look beyond the room if we're going to get to the best possible choice we can make. And then we have to honor our feelings by acknowledging how we feel. If we ignore how we feel, then our emotions can pull us off balance and really affect our ability to make good decisions. Yes, I agree. And well, now I would like to talk a little bit about how was the journey of publishing independently in your book, the, the Black Sheep? And well, how was it considering um, your Black Sheep? So how did you live your Black Sheep through writing and publishing this book? Yeah. So, you know, there's, there's three options uh, in the publishing world, right? So you can publish it yourself, self-publishing. You can go traditional publishing and and sort of give all the rights and the uh, editing capabilities to a traditional publisher or you can have a hybrid publisher and that's what i have so page two is my publisher um the way that that works is that they are the imprint label so they i get access to all their distribution i get access to all of the same things from a traditional publisher but i maintain creative control and i maintain the rights to my work and so there's a lot more cost up front to publish the book, right? Because I'm paying for the for the actual creation of the book. So they assign me an editor, just like a traditional deal would be. Um, I get access to their creative team, to their design team, to their marketing team, to their bulk sales team. So I have a I have a team of people that are all there to support me, but I control everything. And that's the best case scenario, especially for a black sheep like me. I don't want to give up that control to someone else. And so my experience has been phenomenal with page two. They're, they're out of Vancouver, Canada, and um, they just do amazing work. They're two women uh, who, who are the principals of that organization. And they come from the traditional publishing world. They come from one of the biggies. And uh, they just saw that that authors were getting screwed over more often than not. And so they left and started their own thing that gives more power and income back to the author instead of just getting a tiny fraction of a slice of the pie when you sign a traditional publishing deal. And so... Well, what you tell me, I can identify authenticity, but your other black sheep values, how, how did you live them by writing the book? Oh, yeah, that's a great question, brother. 
So, you know, cre- creativity for me is number one, right? So, so it's my first black sheep value. And the idea of how I wrote the book, I had to write it like this, like you and I having a conversation. I'm not going to use words that I don't understand. I'm not going to be, uh, you know, trying to find those, those long three syllable 50 cent words that, that uh, make me sound smart. That's just not how I roll. Um, you know, there's a little bit of salty language in there, which is accurate. If you are in my inner circle, you know that I can uh, at times have a mouth like a sailor. Um, and there's a, you know, the idea of can I have creative control? So even right down to the to the uh, cover of the book, you know, that that black sheep symbol that you see there, which my son actually Theo, my, the, my cancer survivor, um, he created that. And, you know, it's on, you see it, it's a, I've got a whole brand of clothing coming out. You see it on my hat, you see it tattooed on my arm. Um, it's all there as a reminder for me to lead with these things that make me that unique original. And so, you know, so creativity was covered because I was really involved in the creative control of what the book looked like and felt like, right? Even down to the audio version, which comes out in January, um, it's going to be unlike any book you've ever heard, right? It's uh, I'm basically doing an audio movie. So the book is soundtracked. It's got um, every time there's a story, the, there's, there's, there's uh, music in the background that drive the story. There's sound effects. There's all kinds of craziness that, um, basically like hiring a Foley artist to create all of those background sounds uh, is exactly what we've done with this book to keep people interested. Uh, so my second one was hope, right? So this book is all about hope. If you read this book and don't have hope, then I failed, right? So for me, I had to end this book with the idea that no matter how successful or unsuccessful you've been to this point, um, you should have hope that if you define these things in your life, you can change what's possible. I can't tell you how excited I am to talk to you and that you're not a 49 year old man who still has no idea what he wants to do with his life. <laughs> you know, I would have figured this stuff out when I was your age, I would be a billionaire by now. And I believe that with every bone in my body, um, but I didn't. And so I was winging it for years and years, decades, decades. I didn't figure this out till I was in my mid forties, Emiliano. So for you to even read this book and start to sort of ask yourself these questions, because many of the values that you possess and will possess for the rest of your life are already formed, even at 15 years old, right? So the idea here is you still have a little bit of time. You've got probably five or six, seven years where you might find a shift in values based on what happens in your life over the next few years. But for the most part, your top three, they're already, they're already pretty well formed inside of you. And so the idea here is you take those things and you speak them into existence. And so in the book, you saw the creativity, hope, impact. I, we're having this conversation because the book had some sort of an impact on you. So check that box, right? And so I go to empathy. If you read the book, you know, I know what it's like to walk a mile in someone else's shoes where, where hope is stripped away from you, where you have nothing left, right? And that's that's part of the, the real challenge is when you don't have these things defined, what do you hold on to when life comes and shatters everything that you know? And, and there's a good shot that that's going to happen at some point in your life. And you need to be prepared to handle that. That happens with the black sheep belly. <laughs> This was awesome. <laughs> and well, I love that you mentioned my, well, my black sheep, because that's something that I want to talk about now. 
And well, as I emailed you earlier, my flagship values, or at least the ones I could identify um, within the last weeks, were um, transformation, enjoyment, wisdom, gratitude, and what I call relations, because I don't know how to, well, a specific word, but by relations, I mean just like synergy and connection, right? And yeah. well, I would love if you could guide me a bit through this process of how to actually live more my black sheep values or at least what I consider important. So here's, here's something really interesting. So you sent me sort of the five that you started with, and then you sent me the five that you are now on. And what you're going to find, and as, as you have, is that what you thought were your original ones when you tried to find proof of them, it was, it was pretty difficult. And so they shifted. And so uh, out of the ones that you sort of originally selected, only one of them remained, right? And so that's, that's really good that you're paying that kind of attention to what's happening. And so the idea here is why you found more success in your second pass at this as to trying to figure it out is because not only did you tell me what the value was, but you described what you mean by the value right next to it, right? And that's what people, that's that's the one thing they don't understand. Just because you say transformation is one of your black sheep values, I have no idea what that means to you. But you said that there and you said, well, transformation to me, you know, tra transformation is a thriving development being better in greatness, you start to add definitions to these values. And when you do that, then you start to be able to find more proof because you know what you're looking for, right? But when you just give a value without a definition, it's too broad, it's too subjective for you to really know what you mean until you go ahead and define it. So, you know, it's interesting Transformation is a big word, brother. It is a big word. Let me tell you that. And and in the business world, it is a scary word. Uh, and that is because transformation equals money. And if you go into an organization and you say, I'm going to transform this company, the, the very first thing is, uh-oh, how much is this going to cost, right? And so it's funny because I am all about transformation. I mean, that is literally my life's work is to transform what people think is possible in their lives. But I have come to realize that it is a very scary word. And I love that you chose that because most people will shy away from it because there's too much involved to really experience transformation. But I love it. So your second one is relations. So connections plus synergy is what you described it as. I love that. So I will tell you that connection is the number one value. So, you know, we've got this assessment. People who are listening, you can go online, findyourblacksheep.com, click on find your flock and go through this process, right? And so you get to what you think your five are. Uh, and we've had thousands and thousands of people take this assessment over the last year. And what we know is that the number one value among men and women combined is connection. Not only is it the number one, it's number one by a 50% margin to the next closest value. So you picked up on that, right? But you added something more than connection because connection is a huge word, just like transformation. So connection could be to your family, to your work, to your God, to your, there's so many different ways that connection manifests itself. Um, but you just, you added the word synergy, which requires uh, different things than just 
a giant word. And so that's why you landed on relational relationships, right? Is really what that's about. And so to me, um, I think that's great. My, my challenge to you would be what happens when there's no one else around? How do you feed that sheep if there's no one to have a relationship with? Yeah, well, what I meant by synergy, and I have reflected on this um, for much time, and it was mostly about just contact, having contact with many ideas, you know, simply with books. Uh, that's for me one type of synergy, but that's something difficult to experience daily, you know, because mm -hmm. um, I think in my first list of flagship, I added um, synergy, but I didn't always leave synergy um, mm -hmm. because it, it also it was difficult for me to experience it. But that's what I mean by synergy, not just with people, but with ideas in general or, or with myself, you know, by journaling or by just thinking. Okay. So, so I look at that and go, so these values, when we select them, uh, they exist in a hierarchy, right? And so they're the, the higher that we can get on the hierarchy to the biggest value, the more that we can encompass below it for, for behaviors and different things that we recognize that, that we can find proof for. So what you described to me, I would describe as something like oneness. It's a, it's a feeling of oneness, that connection with not just people, it's with everything, whether it's nature, books, work, you know, it's that, that feeling of oneness. And so that might be a higher value in the same family of relation that you, that you have already selected. Um, and, and when you define synergy, you give yourself even more chance to really figure out what that is, which, which you just did, which is really important. I would suggest that you write that down so you know what you mean by synergy. Um, the other things I will tell you is, uh, you know, wisdom, learning plus intelligence. Yes, all day long, right? Because some people, it's just the act of learning. So someone like Nick, our friend from Book Thinkers, um, yeah. <laughs> he, he would might look at something like discovery and it's actually the discovery of something that excites him, not necessarily possessing the knowledge, right? Those are two different things. And so for you, you've described it's actually both. It's the act of learning, but then it's also possessing the knowledge that's going to make you more intelligent. So those two things together are wisdom. I think that's phenomenal and applaud you uh, that you have figured that out already in your life. I think that's fantastic. Um, enjoyment. So I'm going to, I know it, it, it is there on both sides it that to me is uh i would call that a mamby pamby value <laughs> it is it is i understand I, there's a better word um what people have to understand is the difference between something that's really important to you and what a non-negotiable is non-negotiable means no right and so here's the here's the difference do you do things at times, do you have to do things that are not enjoyable? Yes, I do. <laughs> then that's not a black sheep value. Because if it was, you would go, I'm not doing that. It's a non-negotiable. No. If I can't enjoy myself, the answer is no. Do you see how that works? Yeah. 
So I understand that enjoyment is something that is really, really important to you. There's no question that you really need and, and want to feel enjoyment when you do something. But it's if it was a non-negotiable, the answer is no. And so the fact that you do things on a regular basis that don't bring you enjoyment makes it un, that is not a non-negotiable. So the idea is, I know what you mean by that, but there's a better word. So you're going to have to dig a little bit deeper on something like enjoyment um, to prove that it is indeed one of these non-negotiable values. Or you're going to have to find a way to make everything that sucks enjoyable in some way, which is another yeah. way to approach it, right? Yeah. <laughs> That's another way to do it. If it really was, you would go, I'm fine with this. It's okay. I'll make it enjoyable, even though I don't want to do it. I'll find a way to make it enjoyable. And if that was your approach, then you might, I might believe you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, one thing that I meant um, by enjoyment was also being mindful. Because, I mean, there are, like, exercising in the morning. Sometimes I hate exercising. But, I mean, um, I know it's good for me. And I, I feel myself. I feel alive. And I am also mindful of what I'm doing. And I think that's like one approach of what I thought by, um, by enjoyment. And that's yeah. one thing that I can identify that some, yeah, most of the times I, I do not negotiate. So I would say that the better word is probably mindfulness, right? I mean, that is literally what it, it's not about. You want to enjoy it, but more importantly, you're mindful of what's happening at that time, right? So whether that's working out, whether that's, you know, doing homework, whether that it doesn't matter, you're mindful of what the situation is and where you are in the present in that moment, right? So that to me, if you can enjoy yourself, great. But it's more important to be mindful of the scenario than it is for you to actually enjoy yourself, right? And that is where you really, this is why it takes sometimes months and months to really find the true black sheep, because a lot of these will masquerade as things that are your non-negotiables, but when push comes to shove, they're really not, right? And that's why it takes, you know, in the class that I teach, it's five weeks, and we're still just scratching the surface at five weeks. And so the idea here is, as you continue to look for proof, which is what you need to do, you know, when we have proof, we don't need belief. If you feel like you have to convince yourself of anything, it's not the right sheep. It's just not, right? So you've got to get to that one where not only does it feel good, you protect it. You speak up for it. Right. I got, I just got a, a blasted <laughs> by several people for speaking my, my values about this election in the, in the U S right now. Right. And um, you know, my, my response was going to be very saucy, <laughs> a, a go F yourself, but, but I can't do that. Uh, but that's my emotions taking over, right? That's my emotions driving that response. So I don't want to do that because that's not a good decision. So I have to go back to my values and I have to say, look, here's the deal. I can't be the guy teaching people to identify what matters most and to speak it into existence and not actually do it. That makes me a hypocrite. So yeah. I have to, I should be able to respectfully speak my values into existence. And if you don't like it, that's not my problem. That's your problem. 
right? <laughs> and, and the idea here is that's why we want to own these things because you've got to be powerful and have the courage enough to stand up and speak for these things no matter the cost. Those are non-negotiables, no matter the cost. If you go, I don't think I can, you know, I don't want to deal with that, then it's not a non-negotiable. And that's why it takes time. Sometimes we don't know it until we get into a scenario that reveals itself to that you go, you know what? I don't think it's an actual non-negotiable. I think it's something that's really important to me, but it's not something that is a live or die situation. Yeah. Yeah, and that was a pretty good example, the one of the election, because I just saw your video on Instagram. And I mean, yeah, most people are going to are gonna be say, uh, upset by that, right? <laughs> and um, well, so I just have one more question about my, my black sheep. Well, actually, two more questions. Sure. And, and those are first, so by relationships, you said, that maybe the word is oneness, right? Yep. All right. And um, how do I identify that gratitude is an actual black sheep value? Yeah. So here's a, so here is um, one that appears often is gratitude. Okay. So I get that a lot on both sides for men and women. Um, in some cases, it's without question, 100% true. I have, I, I have good friends who keep a gratitude journal and they don't start their day without writing in their gratitude journal. And if that is part of your daily practice, um, then, I, then yeah, you can convince me that that is one of your black sheep values. But this is also one that has been pushed on us since you were old enough to, to you know, walk. It is, it is something that you should be thankful for what you have is ingrained in us from the moment we're born. And the idea that this could be someone else's sheep, it could be, you know, family's sheep, friends, sheep, businesses, sheep, it's, it's their <laughs> sheep. It might not be your sheep. And you, and you might feel bad or shameful that gratitude is not one of your sheep, but that's not how it works. So there's not a, it's not a problem. It doesn't mean that gratitude isn't really important to you. It's just not a non-negotiable. So if, again, if it's a non-negotiable, it is a daily practice in your life and you will not be moved from it. If you, do you do things that you are not grateful for? That's another question, right? Those are the, do you, do you participate in things that um, you are not grateful for when it's over? If you have that sort of an attitude when it's done and that's, your, that's how you feel, that's different than going into something that has a poor outcome, but you're still thankful for the opportunity. You see that difference there? Yeah. If you go, oh, I'm never going to do that again, <laughs> then gratefulness is not one of your values, right? Because you'd be grateful for that opportunity to try something new. And the next thing that comes along, you're going to go, yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm totally grateful that I get a chance to do this. Even if I fall flat on my face, I will still be grateful <laughs> of the opportunity. If that's your approach, I'm on board with you. If it's, well, you know, my mom told me I should be grateful. And <laughs> I don't know anybody's mother who has not... <laughs> told them they should be grateful right <laughs> for the grilled cheese that i just made whatever that is you have to understand that that's the approach and if you get that approach 
then then yes, you will convince me. But if things like a gratitude journal are not part of your daily life, um, I, I'm going to be hard pressed. I will believe that it is something incredibly important to you, but I don't know that it's a non-negotiable black sheep value. Yeah. Well, I mean, I currently do not have a gratitude journal, even though I try to be grateful, at least in my head, mm -hmm. for for most of the things. Mm -hmm. um, but yeah, I agree. It is something important, but maybe not a black sheep, maybe not a non-negotiable. <laughs> That's right. And, well, besides um, keeping track of my black sheep, what is the next step? Well, the next step is you got to speak them into existence. You have to choose when and where they appear in your life because just knowing what they are, you will not experience transformation, my friend. Um, you have to speak them into existence, which means every day you have to think what the way I do it and the way that I recommend people do it. The night before your day, you should sit down, you should look at what's on your calendar for the next day, and you should be writing in your black sheep into appointments, into different times of the day that you are choosing when and where these things are gonna show up. So for someone like yourself, if you're going to school or whatever that is, you have to look and go, what needs to show up in the classroom for me to get that maximum impact out of that time? So if you went to an art class, something like creativity better show up, right? So I look at yours and go, if you say transformation, relations, wisdom, um, so, so if you go into school, you got to go in to a classroom with the approach of it's about the learning. I'm going to focus. I'm not going to be distracted. I'm going to take notes. I'm going to do those things, right? That is how you are speaking wisdom into existence, right? When you go in and you look at something like um, oneness or relations, right? You would look at that and you'd go, okay, uh, I feel like I need to connect with my teacher, I feel like I need to connect with my friends. I need to I need to take some dedicated time to actually not just connect, but connect with them about the things that really matter to me right now. Maybe it's the book you just read. Maybe it's a thought you just had. Maybe it's a it's a TV show or a movie you just watched. So it's not just connecting. It's connecting with purpose, right? And so the idea is that's how we start to do it. So I should be able to look at your day and see whatever you have scheduled. And I should see your black sheep littered throughout the day because you are choosing when and where they show up as opposed to winging it and hoping and praying that there's a moment that presents itself that you might be able to share one of these black sheep. That's not deliberate intention. That's not living your life on purpose. That's winging it. And that will never take you to the level of success that you deserve if you can live your life with deliberate intention. Oh, <laughs> and well, actually, I love that you that you said that you deserve success because um, well, the last couple of days I have been, you know, having like a conflict in my head. Um, this happens sometimes to me, but um, about why should um, specifically me? Because I'm talking, I'm talking to myself. Why do I deserve success, or why do I want success for? And well, I, I love that you said and that you deserve it because you do. We all deserve it. <laughs> We'll deserve to be successful and to live deliberately. Yeah. Well, here's the deal. You deserve to honor the things that matter most to you, right? And when you do those things, success will follow. I promise you, 
you can't control the outcome. So that is not in your, unless you're a wizard, unless you've got something that I don't know, you got some hat or wand hidden back there on your bookcase. I don't know that you possess the power to control an outcome, but what you can do is speak these things into existence. And when you do, you control the narrative. And when you control the narrative, how can that not benefit you? You are speaking the things that are most important. You are leading with these black sheep values and that's what gets everybody's first look. So here's the, here's the secret. Even though farmers don't value black sheep like the rest of the flock, they do value them in that very different way, which is they keep one black sheep for every hundred sheep in their care as a marker. So every morning a sheep farmer gets up, he looks out over the flock. If he's got 500 sheep in his care, he should see five black sheep. Those ability of these black sheep to stand out from the crowd because of their unique traits is what gets the farmer's first look, the very first look. He doesn't look at the 495 sheep that look exactly the same. He looks at the five ones that are leading with that authenticity, right? So how do you think this works in your life? When you lead with the things that are your black sheep values, you get everybody's first look. How does that not translate into success? I don't understand that. It has to translate into success because you just separated yourself from the 495 other people who are saying, promising, doing, looking like the exact same thing. When you lead with what makes you that unique, authentic, original, there is no competition because you're one of a kind. That's the goal. And when you lead with that, you get everybody's first look. And when you get people's first look, you can influence that outcome that you desire. That's how we do it. Okay. Yeah. So it's controlling what you can control, right? Um, making good decisions. And well, also something you mentioned in the book is purpose and about choosing your purpose. And I would love to, if you could guide me through this process briefly, but also if you could um, guide us, my audience, <laughs> through sure. how you live this process of deciding your purpose. Yeah. So the biggest lie about purpose is that it's something you find, right? <laughs> I'm going to, I'm going to cuss. That's bullshit. All right. Sorry. That yeah. is just, it's just what it is, right? That's not true. Purpose is something we choose. So the question becomes how do we choose it in a powerful and impactful way? Well, we choose it by amplifying and activating our black sheep values. See, our what, which is our values, and our why, which is our purpose, they need to be in alignment. They need to find that synergy that you love so much, right? And so that only happens when you choose a purpose that is born from these non-negotiables. So for me, right, creativity, hope, impact, empathy, family, authenticity, those are my black sheep values. My purpose, why I get up every day, why I stay committed to the goals that I have established is to, uh, for me, it's to creatively impact others by authentically providing hope. That's my purpose. It sounds familiar because it's loaded with all of my black sheep values. So when you get to the point where you're going to choose your purpose, I should see words like transformation, wisdom, and you know, uh, gratitude, all of these things. Once you prove that these are indeed your flock and you've got a little bit of work to do to, to get to, the, to 
two or three of them that are still, I would say, are not solid enough to make that claim. Once you get to those, then you're going to include those words in your purpose so that they are in alignment with one another, right? That's how we do it. So you have to look, and I'm happy to do this with, I'll help you do this when you get to that level, right? When you know, you go, okay, here are my five. I know these are my five. We will work together to write a purpose statement for your life that encompasses all of these things. That's one of the toughest parts of the program, right? It's week five after you've lived it, identified it, proved it, questioned it, now you've got to incorporate it into your life. And it's like, all right, well, let's see what happens. And it's really difficult. It's like writing a song, right? It's got to feel, it's, it's the literal anthem of your life. So it's got to, it's got to resonate like a chorus of your favorite song. You've got to be able to remember it like that. And that only happens when we connect our head and our heart. And when that happens, it engages our limbic brain. It's where all of our emotional long-term memory is stored. And that's why you remember song lyrics. That's why you remember quotes to your favorite movies. It's the same process that we need to remember those values that live in our heart and the experiences that live in our head. Once those things find synergy and they are aligned with each other, it is a powerful, powerful moment for you to write that statement that you're going to hold yourself accountable to and stop winging it. Did I just shake your brain? <laughs> yeah. Oh. Oh. And well, um, so there are these like ideas, as you said, um, bullshit <laughs> of um purpose where you find your purpose, right? And so what you say is that you choose, right? Because you um well by which you can actually prove uh, which is your black sheep your non-negotiables you decide how and why do you want to live for right within what you can control and within what you know that's right and so so the the way that i recommend people try to start with this writing of a purpose statement You know, when you get to your flock of five, or you might even have six, right? It's not, it's not unusual. I have six, I have an extra, and it's not, it's not unusual for people to have one more. Um, the idea is that all of our values exist in a hierarchy. Okay. So they're going to be, even when you get to your non-negotiables, those non-negotiables have non-negotiables. Okay. So they actually <laughs> live in a hierarchy of importance. And there are some that are really, really at the very top. And there are others that you're not quite as passionate about still non-negotiables, but you're not, they, they don't get your blood going like, like some of the other ones will. And so what I recommend is let's find your top two. So for me, it's creativity and hope. Those are my top two values. Okay. So that's why my purpose statement starts with one and ends with the other to creatively impact others. There's creativities, number one, and at the, to authentically, provide by authentically providing hope it ends with hope which is honestly hope is my number one in the hierarchy uh creativity is number two but we take number one and two and you can flip-flop those to the back or front of that purpose statement but it's sort of they serve as bookends 
because you want to sort of start with and end with the things that are most important. And then you sandwich the other stuff in between. And so it's very much like writing a song lyric in that you've got to sort of know what you want to, to have down and it should resonate with you just like your favorite song does. And so that is a difficult part of the process, but a crucial part of the process to be able to hold yourself accountable because without this, this statement, you can make up excuses day in and day out for the rest of your life. Again, that was mind blowing. <laughs> <laughs> I would like to know, and this is something I'm interested in knowing about creativity. What does creativity mean to you about just creating in general? So if you decide your purpose, are you being creative because you're creating or what's your personal approach and perspective of creativity? Mm, look at you asking the tough questions. Uh, so <laughs> so you're, you're the first person who's ever asked me that. And, it, and it's incredible because there's a real, so there's a real belief for me with creativity. I believe you can never be closer to God than when you're creating because he is the creator. And so for me, creativity becomes so incredibly important because it's the closest I'm going to be to God on this side of heaven. That's, that's what I believe. And so for me, um, everything I do has to come from a creative aspect. I don't just accept something for what it is. I have to find the creative way to present it. Otherwise I'm not being authentic. If you gave me a sentence and said, Hey, go say this sentence to this crowd. I'm never going to say it like you wrote it ever <laughs> because that doesn't allow me to be creative. I'll say what needs to be said, but I'm going to be creative about it. Right. And if I, if the answer is you can't be creative, you just have to say it as it is. Then my answer is go find someone else to say this sentence. I'm not doing it. That's what a non-negotiable is, right? I'm not doing it. If I can't be creative, the answer is no. I say no to people asking me to come talk a lot because if they're like, well, what we want you to talk about is this. And what we want you to say is that <laughs> I'm like, sorry, I'm not a Muppet. You can't stick your hand up my ass and make my, make my lips move. <laughs> what you want me to say? I'm not going to do that. I'm going to be creative. I'm going to have the impact. I'm going to drive the conversation. And if I can't do that, then it's not the right fit. And that's okay too. I can love and respect you even, even in those moments. And that is for me what it's about. So creativity for me is why it's so important is because it's the closest we can get to God, uh, without without actually being there <laughs> if that makes yes, sense and yes it did and i mean that applies for each person right i mean i cannot identify that for me right now but um each person has his or her highest value and mm -hmm. by leaving that value he or she lives um their divinity if it could be if it could be um names like that yeah right yeah you're, you're absolutely this is the why i'm so passionate about it why i get so fired up is because these are literally the most important things to me in my life if i could talk to you and not be fired up they wouldn't be the most important things to me in my life right <laughs> so that's that's why i know that it took me so long to figure these out but when they're right It's what people, they go, gosh, he's so passionate. He's so, got so much fire in his belly. It's like, well, yeah, 
Absolutely. And if you don't have that, then you haven't found those non-negotiables, those black sheep values. You've got to get to those because when you do, that's why people will look at you first. That's how it works. That's why I get gigs. That's why people hire me and they don't go, well, he's just like those other 40 speakers that we could have hired. I guarantee you they're not saying that. And that's because I'm not sounding or looking or presenting like any of those people because of creativity. Yeah. <laughs> and how do your black sheep values help you get through tough times? So there, I mean, there, so here, here's the scenario. When, when you take the assessment, right? The assessment presents you with 125 commonly held personal core values. And it says in a knee jerk reaction really quickly, give us your first response. Look at the word. If the word is important to you, go ahead and select it. What we know after a couple of years and thousands of people taking this, the data tells us that the average person selects at least 30 of those words that are really important. So how our black sheep values help us in times of stress or, or, or these moments where they're, they're really difficult is that when you don't have the black sheep values figured out, you are trying to sort through 30 plus things in a, in a moment's notice. It's impossible, it's impossible. There's no way you're gonna honor all of those things in that moment. So we've got to get to the five or six that we can be really deliberate with our intention and use those as the foundation, sort of those foundational stones that we can step on when the whole world is shaking around us, right? Those are those things that we need to find shelter. They are our shelter in those moments, right? I talk, I talk about this in the book. You know, there's a, uh, an ancient Japanese philosophy and uh, way of fixing pottery called Kintsuni. And Kintsuni is the uh, born from this idea of brokenness. Okay. So it, it goes back to an ancient Japanese shogun who had his favorite tea bowl broken. And so he sent it to be repaired. And when it came back, it had all of these ugly metal staples in it and they just tried to put it back like it was before it broke and he's like this isn't going to cut it i it's disgusting i want it's my favorite bowl <laughs> so he gives it to some local artisans and he says do what you can but it's got to look better than this and so rather than try to just put it together like it never broke they went out and got the most valuable resource they could in that moment which was gold they melted the gold down and they used the gold to glue it back together the gold became the stuff that, that held the broken pieces together. Now, this, this philosophy and concept um, is really born out of, out of this idea that it's not only, not only did they fix the bowl, the bowl is now more valuable than before it broke because it's now laced with gold. So it's got gold all within it and they honored the history of the bowl by showing those scars, right? And so the, the book talks about this idea in the sense of most of us have a tendency to spend our lives trying not to be broken. We avoid things that we think are going to break us, right? When the truth is, if you really want to be unbreakable, the first thing you need to realize is you're already broken. We need to focus on the things that hold the brokenness together. And the most valuable resource in your life, just like gold was to that 
to that bowl, the most valuable resource in your entire life are these black sheep values. Those are what hold your brokenness together. And so when you realize that, there's nothing that can break you. Nothing. Mic drop. Mic drop Again, moment. Yeah. <laughs> and that's um, being deliberately broken, right? Listen, uh, there is no perfect person on this planet. None. Which means we're all broken in some way, shape, or form. We are. And so you can, you can deny it. But the quicker that you understand that you're already broken, and we all are, and that there's beautiful, there is beauty and imperfection, then you start to realize, let's focus on what's holding that brokenness together. So when these moments happen, when these difficult times happen, even when they, are, they look to be impossible and insurmountable, you still won't break because you're focusing on the thing that's holding that brokenness together already, right? Yeah. I mean, this this interview has been a way to, to live transformation. I mean, I love it. <laughs> Good. Listen, I'm telling you. So, so here's the interesting piece. I had a, I literally just had a discussion with my publisher yesterday about um, sort of this next phase of marketing, right? So, when a book comes out, you've got your pre-launch, which is like your big start. And then you've got your sort of next 90 days and then you sort of have your last 90 days, right? And that's, that's where, so we're in the middle right now. And one of the things that the publisher wants to do is to use this book as youth leadership's first business book that they should read. And it seems like a little bit of a disconnect because you look at it and you go business book. But the truth is, if you can figure this stuff out first, then whatever you know, a uh, goal you have to, to be an entrepreneur, to start a business, to be a great leader, to work at an organization, to, to affect change, whatever that's going to be, is born out of these things that matter most to you. You have to learn what these things are first if you're going to be that unique, extraordinary, authentic person that you were made to be. Without it, you're going to ignore all those things. And the best shot you have of being successful is by luck or accident. And I don't know anybody that wants to rely on those two things for the success that awaits. So figure this stuff out now so that no matter what you do, you still become that extraordinary original that you are. Yes, that did make much sense. <laughs> and well, I just have two more questions. Um, and so the first one is, What have you learned or discovered recently, whether it is related to the black sheep concept or not, um, that you would like to share to us? All right. Uh, perfect timing. Uh, I'm literally going to be doing a post on this uh, in the next day or two. But uh, what I've learned uh, through this election process of watching what's happening in the United States, I told you that the number one value, shared value, among men and women is connection, right? By a 50% margin. So while that's awesome and amazing on one side, it's also why we see so much division because people are so desperate to connect that sometimes they connect with the wrong groups. They connect with these conspiracy theorists. They connect with these cults. They connect with these groups that are really hurting the democracy because they feel that connection that's missing in their life. 
You know, it's one of the things, the most dangerous things about groups like that is their ability to make you feel like you're part of the group. So we need yeah. to do a better job at widening those arms and welcoming people into our lives so they feel connected and they don't feel like they have to go become part of some radical group that is, is really challenging and destroying our democracy. How's that? Again, mind blowing. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it does make sense, right? If you if you want to connect to something, but you're unable to connect to, I mean, something good, you will connect to anything you find. That's right. Yeah. And well, just um, to wrap it up, um, is there anything you would like to add for the audience or for me or for anything in general? <laughs> I just want to say this. I am incredibly proud of you for for doing this work. Um, for pursuing this, even even the the podcast, your your becoming an influencer on Instagram, like all of these things, um, I'm telling you, you are on the right path. You are asking all the right questions. You just need to keep the courage to keep asking and keep proving that these are the things that matter most to you in your life. And I promise you. Five, 10 years down the road, you're going to be looking at your first G5 jet that you're buying uh, so that you don't have to fly commercial anymore. And you are going to be the most incredible person and successful because you're, you're doing all the things that everybody ignores. They chase all the wrong things. You're chasing the right things. And because of that, I promise you, the, in the long run, you are going to be so much better off. And uh, I just want to encourage you to keep up with the conversation with yourself. The thing that you need to realize is that this, uh, this idea of feeding our sheep is both input and output. It's not just about your ability to connect with someone else and, and speak those values into existence. It's about taking in those things that are gonna feed those values as well. So you need to be asking yourself, what books are you reading? What shows are you watching? What conversations are you having? Are you meditating? Are you doing things that are going to feed these sheep even when there's no one else around? And if you can balance the intake and the output then you're going to be in a really good position to feel very confident about whatever it is you want to achieve. Thank you. Thanks for the conversation. I mean, thanks for all, all the messages you gave us and the, this last message you gave to me. I mean, it's, it, it, it inspires me to, I mean, keep going because I, as, as we said earlier, um, I sometimes connect with maybe wrong ideas um, just because of the need to connect, but I mean, yeah. then and getting back on track on the right uh, path is it is just awesome and it is something beautiful to connect with. Yeah, agreed, yeah. brother. Listen, I am part of Team Emiliano, so if there's anything I can do for you, you just send me the message, and uh, you know I'll be there to help in any way I can. Thanks, thanks, friend. I, I really appreciate it. And, and well, thanks also. Uh, sorry. I mean it. Yeah. Don't, I'm telling you, if I don't hear from you, it's going to piss me off. So you better be <laughs> reaching out when you need me, or at least to celebrate some of these wins that I know are, are in your very near future. Hello again. This is your host, Emiliano, coming to wrap up the episode. I hope that today's conversation was enjoyable and valuable to you. 
If it was, please consider sharing it to a friend and subscribing to the show. Remember that you can keep receiving value from the Reader Lounge by following on Instagram, YouTube, and Twitter. You can find the links to those platforms in the description of the episode. That has been it for today. I wish you a happy and prosperous day ahead or a fulfilling and peaceful afternoon. My name is Emiliano. This was the Book Talk Lounge brought to you by the Reader Lounge. I'll speak to you in the next episode. Peace.